Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I am your host, Jordan Jones. It's late Sunday evening, January 31st here in West Lafayette, where it's been a snowy weekend and it was a slower week in the world of Purdue athletics, though we did get to see Boiler basketball come away with a big time win Saturday evening in Mackey Arena over 21st ranked Minnesota. We'll break down that win here, preview the week to come for the Boilers, and touch on a little bit of the happenings across the Big Ten right now in college basketball. But to get started here, you know, Purdue comes into this game against Minnesota, another one without Sasha Stefanovic, uh, still out for Purdue due to his positive COVID test uh, last week. Uh, He's out of isolation now. It was good to see. Uh, on the Purdue social media accounts, Stefanovic hanging out with his teammates, and you could see him on the broadcast on the bench and, you know, being pretty active cheering on his teammates. Uh, shout out to some of my Twitter followers. You know, I posed the question if he's out of isolation and he's around the team, why can't he be on the floor? Uh, some of the followers of the show. Uh, know more than I do about the health stuff related to COVID-19. Kind of explained that he isn't able to play right away because they're monitoring some of the potential health ramifications from COVID uh, after his positive test. Obviously, that makes sense. Um, but thank you to those who helped me out on Twitter. Uh, reminder, the show's on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. Very active there during games. So you'll want to give that a follow. But, you know, this Minnesota game, Purdue had eight days to prepare for this. And I was interested to see what the offense would look like. In the Michigan game, Purdue's offensive flow really never got going. And it was a combination of lack of open shots on the perimeter, Hunter Dickinson doing a very good job on Travion Williams, and the fact that Michigan's physical length and their size really gave Purdue a lot of problems, something we discussed very in-depth on the show last week. But Jaden Ivey gets another start in this game after he didn't have his best game against Minnesota, or excuse me, against Michigan. Early on, though, in this game, Minnesota was making everything, and it wasn't Marcus Carr. It wasn't Liam Robbins. They were making everything. They started six of eight from deep. They were seven of 16 from three in the first half. And Minnesota is not a very strong three-point shooting team. Purdue got down big early, trailing 24 to 10 early on in the game. But they crept their way back, only trailed by five at the break, in large part because they went 12 of 15 at the free throw line in the first half. That's very, very solid especially for a team you know, that has some guys who aren't the best foul shooters. Um, but you, know, you go 0 for 5 from 3, um, Minnesota's on fire, and you only are trailing by 5 at half. Purdue was in a much better spot than I think anyone really recognized at the time. And they come out of the locker room for the second half, and it became the Brandon Newman show. 21 points on 7 of 8 from the field, in the second half alone. That does not include his eight points in the first half, 
five for five from deep in the second half. You knew he was hot when it gets late in the game and Purdue's looking to really put that final nail in the coffin and Brandon Newman buries one off the glass from way outside. Uh, Fantastic game for the redshirt freshman from Valparaiso. Fantastic second half for Purdue. As a whole, they outscore Minnesota 51-27, easily erasing that five-point halftime deficit and easily erasing the major 14-point deficit that they faced early on in the game. You know, there was a point in the second half where Purdue had gotten the lead. They were starting to build momentum, and Travion Williams misses a dunk. It goes off the rim, straight to the corner, uh, where Mason Gillis scoops up the ball, knocks down a three. That was just kind of what told the whole story of the second half. Speaking of Williams, 17 points, 14 rebounds for the big guy. He has been somewhat inefficient of late. Uh, The two games without Sasha Stefanovic, I think that's very key to point out because of the spacing that Stefanovic provides this team on offense. Um, He was 6 of 19 against Michigan, 7 for 18 against Minnesota. It's not that he's taking bad shots. He really isn't. It's just that when... He doesn't have as much space to work with. More contested shots are going to result in more misses. Getting him the ball and using him as a high-volume player is still Purdue's best option on offense. He's a very good player. We did see Jaden Ivey struggle a little bit in the first half of this game, but he turned it on in the second half as well. Part of that might have been Isaiah Thompson uh, started over Ivey In the second half, Thompson had a nice first half, but Ivy comes out in the second half off the bench, knocks down a big three, throws down a very impressive dunk in the half-court offense, and finished through contact really well when he was going in with his right hand. Didn't make the free throw, but good things happen when Jaden Ivy goes to the rim. Been saying it on this show for a while now. Good things happen when Jaden Ivy goes to the rim. And on the other end of the floor, Purdue did a fantastic job on defense in this game. You know, when Minnesota was hot early on, it wasn't that Purdue was, you know, leaving guys wide open and letting Minnesota's best player torch them. You know, Marcus Carr, uh, last year in Mackey, scored 27 points in that double overtime Purdue win. This year, he had six points on two of 13 from the field. Eric Hunter Jr. deserves a ton of credit. He only scored four points, but Matt Painter rightfully pointed out in his interview after the game that Eric Hunter had a fantastic day. Holding Marcus Carr to six points on 13 shots is absolutely incredible. Um, Hunter as a whole on defense this year has been fantastic. I know his scoring numbers have certainly not been to the level where he would like. You certainly, I think if you're Purdue, you would like to see him scoring more. But he has been excellent on defense for Purdue. You know, someone had to step up when No Gel Eastern transferred. And there is certainly plenty of criticism of No Gel Eastern. And the common thing that people say is that Purdue's better without him. 
I don't know that I fully disagree with that, but there is no denying that Eastern was, in my opinion, the best defender in the Big Ten last year, but one of the best at very least. Um, I assumed Hunter would be the guy who stepped up and you know, took on guarding the opposing team's best ball handler, um, but he's been very, very good in that role. Major props to him, and he really showed off that defensive acumen here in this game against Minnesota. Liam Robbins, the center, a graduate transfer from Drake, did have 15 points, but he needed 16 shots to get there. Uh, you'll take that type of inefficiency all day. Some guys are going to get theirs, kind of like Travion Williams gets 17 points on 18 shots. You know, if you're the opposing team, you know you're not going to completely stop the guy, but you want to make him inefficient, and that's what Purdue did. If you would have told me coming into this game that Carr and Robbins combined for just 21 points, I would be very confident that Purdue easily won this game. That's exactly what they did. You know, Minnesota was blazing hot. They're guys who aren't usually big scorers, aren't usually big three-point shooters, knockdown shots. I know Eric Curry had made two threes all season. Then he makes two threes against Purdue. Gabe Kalsher, who wasn't shooting well on the season coming in, but has shown his ability to shoot uh, during his career in Minneapolis, has a good shooting day. Uh, Purdue overcomes that. Great work on the defensive end to not give up at all, even despite Minnesota's barrage of threes for a while in the first half. You know, I imagine I'm recording this Sunday night. This will be posted Monday morning. By the time you're listening to this, I I do believe Brandon Newman will have been named Big Ten Freshman of the Week. Uh, I don't know how you give it to someone else after a 29-point performance. Um, That'd be the second time for him this season. And then we'll see if Purdue gets into the AP Top 25 this week. The Boilers only received 11 votes last Monday, but we saw number 21 Minnesota. 22nd ranked St. Louis and the 25th ranked Louisville Cardinals all lose this week and you would figure that would result in them getting bumped out of the top 25. In my opinion, you know, Purdue probably does deserve to be ranked. Uh, They're playing really good basketball right now and to get that type of a win without Sasha Stefanovic is absolutely huge. Uh, The rankings don't mean anything, but I will be interested to monitor, you know, this is a young team. Um, They don't have a lot of experience being ranked. Even if you look at last year, you know, Purdue was ranked in the first week of the season, and I don't think they ever got in the poll after that. We'll see if they can, you know, kind of keep the blinders up and not let the rankings get in their heads if they do get ranked tomorrow when the AP poll drops around noon Eastern time. What does matter a little more than the rankings is the NCAA tournament bracket projections. Uh, We'll start touching on this every week on the show now, now that we're getting to that time of year as the calendar turns from January to February. And this is, this is moving month. You know, it's, it's like in golf Saturday's moving day. February's moving month. You go up and down in the bracket based off what you do in February, and you have to put yourself in a position 
to make those final moves in March. Right now, uh, Fox Sports, uh, Ken DeCorsi, and ESPN, Joe Lenardi, both released brackets on Friday, and Purdue was a seven seed in both of those. Uh, maybe the win over Minnesota will get them up to a six. Uh, I don't really know. Again, it is early, but that's always something interesting to follow if you're a big NCAA tournament fan like myself. You know, you're always kind of looking at the brackets, seeing what the potential upsets could be, even though they're never going to be the actual matchups. But Purdue's trending upward at a really good time right now, and they have two games upcoming this week. An interesting slate. Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. on BTN, they head to College Park to take on Maryland. And then Saturday at 4.30 p.m. on BTN, Northwestern comes to Mackey Arena uh, for the first showdown between the Wildcats and Boilers this year. The Maryland game, a rematch from Christmas Day when Purdue held on late to take down the Terps 73-70. But again, this time, Purdue will not have Sasha Stefanovic. This is the final game he is um, ineligible, so to speak, uh, that he's not allowed to play in because of his COVID test. Maryland's been an odd case study this season, though. You know, they're sitting at 9-8 and eight right now, 3-7 and seven in the Big Ten. But the odd part, those three wins are at Wisconsin, at Illinois, at Minnesota. You know, that's a, just really fascinating that this is a fairly young Minnesota, excuse me, Maryland team. You know, they lose Anthony Cowan, Jalen Smith from last year's team. The year before that, they lose Bruno Fernando. A lot of turnover there, especially with the star power. We're seeing some of the effects of that. But that young group goes out and gets three big-time road wins, but they haven't been able to get it done everywhere. Uh, losses to Rutgers, losses to Indiana uh, that certainly don't look as good as you may have hoped at the time of their happenings. I would think in this one on Tuesday, the betting line will be right around to pick them. Uh, you'll be able to find that Monday evening, Monday afternoon, but if Purdue can do it, and I'm not sure that I am, you know, by no means am I guaranteeing it, but if they can get a season sweep of Maryland, boy, that would be huge for this young group. I don't really care who the opponent is in the Big Ten. If you can pick up a season sweep of someone in the conference, boy, that's really good stuff. It's hard to beat teams twice. We've seen Purdue already knock uh, season sweep out against Ohio State, something that you know I certainly didn't expect. The Buckeyes are playing great basketball right now. Uh, just really took it to Michigan State today. But against Maryland, Purdue will have to keep its big guys out of foul trouble. That was a major issue the first time these two teams met. Uh, Travion Williams got in foul trouble, and then Zach Eady had to play probably more minutes than Purdue would have liked and got in foul trouble as well. The Xfinity Center isn't always the easiest place to play. That 2019 Purdue Big Ten Championship team went there. I just remember it was a weeknight game, early tip-off, similar to this one, and Purdue led at half, and I think they scored 
boy, maybe a dozen points in the second half, something really ugly. Carson Edwards didn't have a great day, and Maryland really took it to him. But then on the other side, who could forget 2017, a Saturday afternoon game, Carson Edwards as a freshman hits two free throws late to give Purdue the lead, and Purdue had no business winning that game. They almost let it slip away after Isaac Haas traveled. I believe it was Kevin Herter who missed a potential game winner uh, with half a second left on the clock, but we'll see what happens this time around as the Boilers head to the Xfinity Center. Um, really a game where you know, Purdue doesn't have a ton to lose. You know, if you can get that season sweep, that's massive. But I don't think anyone is fully, you know, guaranteeing Purdue to win. It's by no means a must-win game. And then following up Maryland, Purdue hosts Northwestern. And boy, how the tides have turned for the Wildcats. The hottest story in the league prior to the new year. They turned some serious heads with three straight wins over Michigan State, Indiana, and Ohio State, and they haven't won since then. That last win against Ohio State was December 26th. They have not won a game in 2021 yet. Uh, They are supposed to have a game with Michigan. It's on the schedule on Wednesday. I highly doubt that game gets played, but assuming that doesn't happen, uh, they will enter Mackey on an eight-game winning streak after I uh, just just watched the end of Northwestern Rutgers tonight. Northwestern couldn't overcome a very, very slow start. They got down by 20 pretty early on in the game. Couldn't pull off a comeback and lost their eighth in a row. Purdue swept Northwestern last year. Uh, easy win at Mackey Arena and then a dramatic Come from behind victory, Jihad Proctor and Stefanovic kind of saving the day with some late three-pointers to win it. Chris Collins' group is interesting this year, though. Miller Cop, Chase Audige, Pete Nance, and Boo Booey all are averaging in double figures for that team. Miller Cop, the leading scorer, a real nice player for them at the, you know, at the three-four position. The team takes care of the basketball pretty well, only averaging around 10 turnovers a game. But, you know, we're to the point now, every game's a must-win for Northwestern. They're really, really reeling right now, Um, just, you know, not winning games. They'll be hungry when they come to Mackey Arena. It's been a while since Northwestern beat Purdue. They will be eager to change that. I do like the way Purdue matches up with them, though. Pete Nance and Ryan Young are pretty undersized at the five position. I'm not sure how well they can handle Trevion Williams, though especially with Nance, they can flip that matchup on the other side and drag Purdue's big guys out on the perimeter. Their guards aren't bad. I do think Purdue's guards are probably more talented. Um, All in all, though, Purdue, a realistic chance to go 2-0 this week. I don't know that I expect it to happen. You know, a road game, always difficult in the Big Ten, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. We'll see what the Boilers can do this week. A few thoughts here before we close out on the Big Ten landscape. Uh, slower week with just one game to wrap up for Purdue, so want to make sure we get a little bit of Big Ten talk. It's been a while since I've 
really dove into the conference. Uh, Closing out the pod, though, it is a shame that Michigan isn't able to play. Uh, They're on a pause for two weeks due to a COVID variant being identified in Ann Arbor. Um, You know, don't, I don't know all the specifics there, but, you know, a variant of the COVID strain that's been going around. They haven't played since that Friday night win over Purdue now nine days ago. Supposed to be a two-week pause. Uh, That would mean this week is all off. We'll see if that ends up uh, sticking. I know the players tried to get university administration to allow them to play. The Wolverines are on top of the Big Ten right now, though. It's going to be interesting. I don't know how you really justify making them the conference champions if they're not able to make up some of these games. That's nothing against Michigan. Right now, they're the best team in the Big Ten, but it's this weird thing with the COVID years where you know teams go on pause at the wrong time. If you don't have to have the ability to make up all your games, I don't really know how the conference championship is going to work here. We saw how football was handled. It didn't go very well, so we'll see what the Big Ten does there. Friday night, we saw probably the most hyped game in the Big Ten season yet. Illinois and Iowa, the Illini, come out victorious. Really good game to watch, but boy, were there a lot of head-scratching decisions down the stretch. I don't know that I've ever seen a goaltending call overturned the way the officials overturned a goaltending call that went against uh, Iowa went against Joe Wieskamp there in the paint late. And then Brad Underwood tries to put the game away with the ball in the hands of Andre Curbelo instead of Io DeSunmu. Didn't make much sense there. And then Iowa gets the ball back after Curbelo turns it over. They need a three to tie the game. And they get an early contested fadeaway from Jordan Bohannon. I highly doubt that's what Fran McCaffrey was looking for in that situation, but, you know, kind of a disappointing way to end a pretty good game. Michigan State falling to two and six in the Big Ten after a loss to Ohio State. That's unbelievable. Uh, They haven't been this bad in the 21st century in 20 years. They do have some big time recruits coming in. You know, most notably Max Christie coming in next year's class. But, you know, this is just wild what they're doing. Tom Izzo's always been known to be very good in March. You know, you've got Rothstein saying January, February, Izzo, April. But this is they're not going to get a chance to make anything happen in March at this point. Just not able to get anything done at the point guard position. They don't have many answers inside at the five position. Weird things in East Lansing. And then final thought, it's probably time to cancel the Big Ten tournament. It's an event that I know I love. I know many Big Ten fans love. But at this point, the benefits aren't nearly as strong as the risks. The league cannot afford for teams to get COVID right before Selection Sunday. It is an event where you're bringing a bunch of teams together to you know, play a few games that in all likelihood don't make all that much of a difference in the selection, uh, in the selection picture, you know, the best teams usually win 
I know we've had odd years like Michigan going on the run out in D.C. in 2017, but you know one of the top teams usually wins. Instead of playing the Big Ten tournament, you can use that week to reschedule some games that may have been canceled. You know, you look at Nebraska, who had a long COVID pause. You know Purdue would love to get that Nebraska game that was to be played at Mackey Arena a few weeks ago made up. Uh, that would be the easiest game on Purdue's schedule in the Big Ten. They would love to get that in. You know, Michigan, as I just brought up with their COVID pause, you would love for them to get some of the games made up then. I do think it's inevitable that the Big Ten tournament gets canceled. I think most conferences, if not all of them, will elect to axe the conference tournaments this year. You may as well announce it sooner rather than later. That's all I have for you today. Thank you for spending your time with me. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Boilers Beyond for news and in-game analysis. Boilers and Beyond is available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'll be back next Monday with a new episode to talk about Purdue's games at Maryland and against Northwestern. But until then, let's see if the Boilers can pull off some more wins.